0: Welcome to Los Compas Lounge, a PSA for brown men. We are your hosts. I am Raul. This is Javier. And this is Ruben. And this is Los Compas Lounge, a podcast by three Chicanos from East LA talking about issues that matter to you. We're here to inspire positive change. So have a seat, compa. We have one ready for you here at the lounge. And now part two of transformation healing
1: through poetry with Fabian Montes. I don't hate people anymore. (laughs) I used to hate people, even, even racist white people to me is like, they're just ignorant and they have problems in their heart, you know? And, and it Mm -hmm. it boils down to see where's your humanity and, and how could we connect and love each other? So, what, what, what I learned through my own experience Dealing, dealing with my own demons Was mm. Two things that saved my life Was poetry And learning to love myself That's what saved me yeah. To change And transform myself And forgive yeah. Whoever has hurt me And ask for forgiveness For me hurting whoever I did um so i love for for me now the work that i do i do it out of love and how could i help people transform and become conscious human beings and that's what i try to i do a lot of public speaking and i do it with uh people that are from the gangs drug addicts homeless to people with 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 uh, wealthy doctors, lawyers, teachers, professionals, because we all need. Yeah. Um, I, to for me is soul healing. We're all wounded, and how do we help wound help yeah. heal that wound? So what? When I try to do, it, I try to go deep into the soul first, and that's I use a lot of poetry for healing. And and it's interesting because, I think poets. Yeah. and I consider myself a poet. We're magicians. We'll act, we're word alchemists. We mix these words, but we're also we work with divination. And the way I see it is when I read my poetry to in, in public. I share it Mm -hmm. and the response that I get back based on where they're at in their heart, because the the poem might trigger something. And when I read a love poem, I get half of the room that psychoanalyze it and try to break it into pieces and get angry about it. And then the other half say, wow, I, I, it reminds me of my love or I'm in love with this person. And that's what it brought out to me. And it, t- it shows me where they're at. Yeah. So then I could help them go deeper into their wound or go deeper into their love through the poem. So yeah. poems are divination. Yeah. So I purposely read the poems to ever, and then I sit back and then they show where they're at because the poem did its mm-hmm. work. It's, it's yeah. a divine divination that goes and it tells the people will speak from where they're at, their truth. And for me, um, yeah. I use poetry because I see the healing that it has mm-hmm. and how it transforms yeah. people. And I've never stopped using it. And it, it was inspired through Carol Lem in that classroom. That it I hated words because I was illiterate. Yeah. I didn't know how to comprehend. And I think, and
0: I think So hate I hated
1: it because I feared it.
0: Is fear disguised because we don't know what it is, but we do know that we don't know and that's what scares us, you know. Um and you know, um what I you know what I tell people, um you know, I always tell people I had to crouch with my fear. To learn who I was, because I had to learn what fear was, and when I realized that fear was actually me. Then I was no longer afraid of it. Yeah, I actually would go to fear, and I would console fear. You know, I would say, you know, it's not your fault. It's okay. Yeah, You know, and and you are the best teacher. But we have to go to you or I would tell fear, I have to go to you. And I don't want to go to you because I'm afraid of you. Because I'm afraid of what I will find out about myself. And I don't want to know that because I really don't want to know who I am. But in order for me to grow and stop being who I don't want to become, I have to crouch with fear, you know. And and I think I think compa um, most people can't do not that they can't; they don't want to do that because that's what I call the hard work. They don't want to do the hard work because hard doesn't even begin to describe what it is you know and um but like you know that's where the growth begins that's where the real learning begins you know and that's where where you begin to grow as a brown man as a human being you know um because you have to go through all that dig into it and pull it out and then face it And then realize, okay, all right, I know what it is. I'm going to put you back in and I'm going to pack you down and I'm going to start watering you because you are really me, you know? And fear is the cocoon. Yeah. And the cocoon has to open up for life to grow Yeah. 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 You know, and uh, you know, that's what, that's the beauty, right? Compas out there, that's poetry. That's the beauty right there, you know? And, you know, and and this is, and we're just two compas talking, you know, and this is, and and, we're just talking the real, you know, and sometimes poetry is part of the real.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I guess I'm very poetic that I I love to speak poetically, share poetically, all of that, but and, and I have to understand that not everybody's like that, but I'm, that's what I love. So I, that's what I'm always trying to share. And I try to speak poetically because to me, what I've learned in my experience about poetry, poetry is about the heart. And we've disconnected our language with the heart. Mm-hmm. So in the old in ancient ways of indigenous people around the world, They didn't speak sentence Mm. structure. They didn't care about that. What they cared about is how am I going to communicate here? And there's a lot, many stories of this, of how um, ancient cultures used to speak poetically or with their hands. Um, Pablo Neruda Mm. says before poetry, before the word, poetry was in nature. Mm nature was poetry the birds and all of that and when i read it first i didn't understand it it took me years to understand what he meant by by what he said and now i understand what he means because you could sit back and you could go through an experience
0: because it's not what poetry is it's emotion it's 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 just words that are expressing your emotions and that old saying you know that you hear everyone say oh i I can't express, you know, how I'm feeling right now. You don't need to express through words, you know. um, I mean, that just makes it easier for everyone around you to get a better understanding. But, you know, it's what what you feel inside your heart. And being able to connect it with the mind, not the brain, but the mind, you know, that's for me, that's the soul cycle right there. You know, that's when, when your energies, your chakras, you know, when everything's like just, just firing and connecting, you know? And, um, for me, poetry does that just as, uh, going on a 10 mile hike does that for me, you know? Um, because when you were talking about Pablo Neruda, uh, I remember reading that, that, you know, that, that as well, you know, and same thing. I'm like, I I don't know what he's talking about. I think I know what he's talking about, but I don't know. But, but, uh, you know, but I know like, because I love nature, I know when I go out for my hikes, you know, or when I would hop in my, hop in my car and just go out there, I know I would feel a sense of serenity and a sense of, 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 centeredness being centered you know and i and i would write but even when i was writing i didn't understand what i was i mean intellectually i understood what i was writing but but the heart and mind yeah they didn't need the words because they were already there you know it, it, it's like it's like the mind you know the brain was trying to catch up to the to to the heart and the mind yeah. you know the, the brain was trying to trying to catch up and when it finally did oh this is great and then then it opens up you know to see where the where the heart and mind is it's already far ahead you know but you know but the beauty about poetry is you write it down and it's there and it's there for someone else it's now you know like because poetry one at least for me once it's written it's done yeah for me it was the experience of writing it and now and it meant something when it meant a specific thing the emotions were specific yeah yeah and when like you were saying you know when when i read it or i i i give it to someone else i, I gift it to someone else it becomes theirs You know, and it's their experiences because that's what basically what it is. I mean, you know, it's your experiences that are telling you what it is. You know, it's not right or wrong. It's just it's once again, your worldview, you know, whatever you were, whatever your life was up until that moment that you sat down and read it. That's that's the poem for you. And it's neither right or wrong. It's yours. But for me, when I was writing it, it was one thing. And that's, for me, that's all that matters, you know, or 80% of it is that 20% of it is if it does something positive for someone else, beautiful, beautiful brother, you know, and, you know, um, now pay it forward, you know, in whatever way, you know, if you don't write, that's cool, you know, um, maybe you might do something else, you know, do that, do what you do good, for someone else you know and um if my my if if my little words helped you in some way now pay it forward you know to the next person yeah and and pay it forward to yourself too because sometimes we forget that the struggles that we have in life are they take a lot out of us and And when we finally get to that point that, man, you know what I can reflect and it's good because I learned so much, but I got to keep on moving forward. Sometimes we just have to say, Whoa, man, calma." Just sit your ass down and enjoy the moment, man, because you worked your ass to get right here, Mm -hmm. you know, cause you were, you were over there dealing with whatever you were dealing with, getting yourself out of that situation, learning and growing helping others but you know what sometimes you just have to just sit down and just be you know and you don't have to do the whole ohm or anything like that just just be man <laughs> just be you know even if that means you know just you know rolling one up whatever <laughs> you know if, if you know that's is that your thing that's your thing you know if, if it means drinking wine or you know drinking beer or just or doing nothing you know you know kicking it you know with with your pet, you know, or 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 spending time with your significant other, you know, take that moment because you only have that moment, and then boom, you're you're off to the next thing.
1: It's the experience to 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 be aware of the experience and live the experience instead of mm. you know just let it pass through. As as you're telling me this, I'm gonna tell you a story that I ended up writing a poem from, from that story. So a friend of mine years back, for my birthday, she gave me a box uh, of yeah, yeah. those magnets that you could, they have letters and you could create a poem. On, you could put it on your refrigerator and it creates mm. a poem. And in that box, in that box, the box said, poetry yeah. is hard work. And when I saw that that title, I said, wow, this is beautiful. I want to write a love poem. So I sat down and I wrote. And when I was done, Hmm. I was like, what the fuck happened? Because it wasn't nothing about love. It was totally the opposite. I fucking threw up through opening my wounds in the blood. And I was like, well, yeah. now that's the title of a poetry book that I'm going to, I'm I'm working on. It's done. It just needs to be edited and
0: published. <laughs> you know what, what I was, you know, what I tell people is like, oh, you know, write me a love poem. You know, I would say everything I write is a love poem because it's coming, it's coming from my heart it might not be what you think a love poem is, you know, it might be sick and demented. It might just be out there, but you know what? It, you know, it came <laughs> yeah, from love. Yes.
1: <laughs> now I read this poem. When I do my trainings or talks to anybody, uh, groups, um, especially youth and prisoners, because in it, it's it's my story, which is, it's very bloody and wounded and painful, mm. but I like to share it because I want them to know that yeah. we're the same. Your wounds are my wounds, and I'm just sharing my wounds in, in words, you know? And yep, that's perfect. what helped me heal. So I'm going to share it tonight. I'm going to read it. It's called Poetry's Heart Work. So painfully true to dig in my heart, to touch, feel, taste the bitter taste of my confusion that resides hide in me, somewhere at that scary place that I could only erase if I dare care to get to know me. So I find refuge in words to guide me through. Tell me, mom, dad, gangs, welfare evictions, crazy family addictions, heroin, crack, LSD, Mary Jane, so much pain, math. Damn, I still wonder today why I still have a functioning brain. It's all rusty, corroded stains all over the inside and outside walls of my veins. Fuck, it seems so unfair. I just have to stare into my truth before I could truly find my happiness. I have to make sense of all this hidden mess that makes me depressed, that has me more than stressed, just feeling demonically possessed, to suicide. I can't hide inside. But evil time of childhood memories haunts me, feel, feels like it wants me. Damn, so many stories hidden, visible, invisible, forgotten scars, wounds, violence, PTSD, addict. How many wars could I have gone through? Some I feel always I comatose to. Others ready to, fun, to find, confront, challenge, death. Even chase that fucking green creeper that refused to take me countless many times. The miracle hand of life forced me to live. It was much easier to be blind, blind out of my mind, chasing death, finding a short sure way out of my life. Homeless in my own body of my evicted homes. I feel like I've lived through many storms over and over each day, waking, thinking, is she dead? Did she jump in front of the, a bus? She's so pilled out. She's finding her own, home, her own way out. Damn, I want to scream and shout, but no voice comes out. The torture is waiting if she wants to change, or is she dead? Mother, why do you hide? Why do you hide? Why do you kill us by killing you slowly, very slowly? Your body's a potato sack of skin and bones. There's no vibration of life in you. Only you wait for death to take you. But I don't want to go with you, and not only me, but five butter me's, your sons, crushed, destroyed, lost to the gang world, trying to force a joy to come out of our sad eyes. Damn, I want to reach to be old, to be a good father to my lovely daughter who has no choice. I do, she doesn't. But to live is so fucking hard. I force a smile in my bathroom mirror each morning to teach me to live, for it's so hard to take a good look. That was my love poem. <laughs> Yeah. That was great. Thank you. Wow, thank you. That's that's no when I wrote that poem, my inspiration was love. But when I finished, I said, I I guess this had to come out. Yeah. And that title made all of this come out. And I was like, wow. So well, that's gonna be the name of my poetry book that I'm gonna publish. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah look forward to it yeah and uh, when it comes out you got to let us know so we can bring you back on so you could say uh say a few more
1: yeah you but, know uh, I, I uh i i've been it's it's past due that i need to publish it and and get it out because to me the the poetry is about life love struggle and inspiring people to live mm-hmm. and, and transform their lives so I dedicate, I I don't do poetry readings, to be honest with you. Yeah. The only poetry readings that I've done are inside prisons, youth centers, but I don't like doing them in public because, you know, for the people that love poetry, they know it. They wanna, you know, sort of like for me, I, I don't think it's for the people that need it that I write my poetry for. Yeah. You know, maybe in the future I'll do the poetry readings to poetry aficionados, but <laughs> for right now I do it for the for the people that hopefully it keeps gives them life, you know? Yeah. And and it's interesting because years back I did a, a retreat with another Jesuit priest and we went to, to Hachip prison mm-hmm. and we went to the the highest level. The highest yard, which was level four. Mm -hmm. And these guys were guys that were going to go spending the rest of their life in prison. Mm -hmm. So when we met up with these guys, it was a group of like five of them. They were brought out of the cells like Hannibal Lecter Mm -hmm. tied up. And then in order for us to talk to them, they put them in another standing cell. So there was five cells the size of their, their body yeah. that they had to stand in there standing to see us. So they had to be locked down because they couldn't be up in the open because they, they were, the people were afraid the, the president, they're going to harm us. Yeah. So the priest started talking to them and we're doing a retreat with them.
0: Yeah.
1: And then I looked at them when it was my turn to talk to them. And I said, Fuck, what could I tell these men gang members, doing life in prison what could i fucking tell them that's gonna help them you know so i sat there like what could i literally tell them that could help them so i was like thinking like so i read them a poem i read them two poems after i finished they looked at me no response nothing i felt stupid actually but i said what I could do is just share some poetry for their soul so then one by one I passed gave them my business card and told them what I do at homeboy and so forth and then in, in that exchange one of them we we touched our hands because they, they had a little box in the, in the cell that they could reach out and we touched and a tear just went down his cheek and he told me I haven't touched a human being in uh, about 20 years. Mm. So then así quedó, I left, we left a month later. These guys mailed me their poetry. And they said, thank you. Check out my poems I read. And if you're going to publish here, they started writing, sending me their poetry. Yeah. That at the moment, they didn't want to talk about it, but they would write to me and send me their poems.
0: Yeah.
1: I was like, wow, I, I, I did do something right, you know? Yeah. But they, they're they too much to talk about it there. Yeah. So they yeah. wrote to me, you know? It was amazing. Amazing. And I said, poetry does work, you know? It that's, saves lives. Yeah, that's, that's
0: the power of poetry right there, man. Yeah. Because, you know, once again, like we said earlier, poetry is our emotions, you know? And they're the... They're the most sacred part of us. They're the most... The most fragile part of us. Yeah. And they're the strongest part of us. And... That's the fear coming out. And that's the love coming out. Because sometimes the hardest thing to do the most fearful thing to do is to offer your heart to someone, you know, as and, broken as it is, you know?
1: Yeah. Like yeah as it's, wounded as it is.
0: It's still, it's still a heart. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No matter how beaten and battered it is, you know, it's, it's still the life force. Yeah. You know, and, and you're offering a reminder to those men when you go visit them. Yeah. You know, um you're reminding them of their humanity. Because that's the first thing that they take away in, in there is your their and it doesn't even it begins out here. Yeah. You know, and it's and it's and those nails are, are are stuck into the coffins in there. You know, because that's what they want to, they want to dehumanize you. You know, and by you going in there, you're, you're telling them no. Nah, they're not going to do that to you. Because you have the ultimate power to not let them take that from
1: you. That's, yes taking people's spirit, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's to me, the beauty about poetry. It, it, it sort of like wakes up the spirit because when you speak poetry, you're speaking from the heart and it's honestly, you're showing your, you're exposing your naked heart yeah. and saying, this is who I am. That nowadays we're afraid to share who we really are. Mm-hmm. There's two, um, cultures that and I know there's many other cultures that they used to speak that way and I use it today in, in, in talks and trainings and workshops that our Mayan ancestors used to say Lakesh. Mm-hmm.
0: You are the like, other yep. well yeah.
1: the Zulu warrior, Zulu people in Africa they have the same similar word that they say Sabona. Hmm. Sabona translates that I see you Mm-hmm. so when strangers would walk and s- meet each other eye to eye they would say sabona and the other person would say yeah. which means I also yeah. see you yeah. so it's the same concept yeah. in two different continents that practice how to connect with each other yeah. and we've, we're losing that connection and to me poetry helps us reconnect our humanity through our pain and and uh being witnesses to that pain and accepting it and holding space for that you know yeah you
0: know um, when you said in Lakesh, um that's what my wife teaches you know she teaches uh she teaches ethnic studies uh over here to uh uh high schoolers in Oakland oh, wow. um and she and before teaching high school she taught a uh, middle school and 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 uh, younger and for at least a decade she's been teaching her students in lakesh i mean they literally every morning you know um they would recite she doesn't say a poem. she doesn't say poetry but i say it's a poem you know a song yeah and it was a way to teach these young chicanitas and chicanitos of their indigenous roots yeah but it was really like you know it was more than quote-unquote indigenous roots it was teaching them about themselves you know and and the self with a capital s not the self but the self the soul yeah and you know um a lot of things that we went through in islos these kids over here are going through it in oakland in deep east oakland you know and yeah. i know you come up here you know uh um uh, you know uh, throughout the year you know and uh, and and you see and you see what's going on here the same thing that's going on in Islos Los it's going on here in Oakland it's going on in 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 Chukoville. you know it's yeah. going on in, the in and
1: all over yeah. the world you know
0: yeah yeah and mm, What keeps me going is is knowing that there's brothers like you, you know, and sisters like my, like my wife uh, and other, other beautiful human beings that are out there doing the hard work, you know, Um, whether it's in the classrooms, um, whether uh, or, or in the prisons, you know, or out on the streets or in the rehab centers it's happening you know and um i think a big a, for me a big concern is there's so few of us that are doing it that um it's like what i just hope that the next generations and the next generations, this could be folks who are just 10 or 20 years younger than us continue this continue this work you know uh because you know, it does. It is taxing, man. You know, and you know it. You know, I mean, and, and you know, and sometimes we need our own retreat. <laughs> yeah. In order to, after we do the retreats, because it takes a lot out of us. Because you know, it's like the the analogy I use is I go into these as a huge empty vase because they're going to pour everything. Yeah. Out. And I walk in their light because I'm empty. Yeah, yeah. But I walk out heavy. Yes. And I don't want me to uh, because I'm the vase. I don't want to break under the under the under the pressure and under this all this weight, you know. And I need to go to ceremony afterwards. Yes.
1: Self-care, or
0: self-care, self-healing. And once again, the analogy is all this water that has now been put on me. What is water? You, you use water to help grow, uh, the semis, you know, the, the seeds. And we do that in ceremony and in my mind that vase of water is the water that we pour on the rocks yeah and the steam is basically that the water all those emotions all those lives all those experiences that are now meta uh, um transforming into spirit water spirit and now helping to cleanse everyone um everyone inside the sweat lodge you know and in my mind that's what i that's what i i envision you know and
1: it's interesting you're saying that because when when i would go into the sweat lodge i would see it and then i would look up in the sweat lodge and it would look so dark, but then lights, like if you're looking up in the, in the sky, and I used to think, this is a school in here. Everything you need to learn is here. The, the universe, uh, how to treat each other, everything is in here. I remember one, one teacher told me, and he told me a story that there was once a monk that went into the sweat Lodge. First time and when he came out, he told the facilitator, the sweat lodge is the cake. And, and the, no, he goes, Buddhism is the cake. And the frosting is the sweat lodge.
0: Hmm.
1: He goes, that's how I see it. That's how I feel it. That
0: hmm.
1: he goes, wow, just, um, uh, uh, meditation, you know, it's meditation yeah. going into the self.
0: Yeah.
1: It's, that and and it's not a one race or one religion it's for everybody and everybody's welcome and you know it doesn't matter what color you are you know but it's it's such amazing teachings that it's so needed you know in our in our communities despite what color you are you talk about retreat um when when i was working at homeboy we, we used to take homies to do retreats for a whole week. So the story behind that is a close friend of mine that also worked at Homeboy. He's, he's a political activist. Now he's a lawyer. He, uh, he uh, worked with me at Homeboy and we knew the connection of other men like Luis Rodriguez. He was a teacher at this retreat in Mendocino. So the story behind that is that the the main guy that started that retreat was an offshoot guy from the men's retreat in the 60s and 70s that James Hillman, Robert Mm -hmm. Bly, and him used to do. He detached from them because he told them, this is a white man's retreat. It's not a man's retreat. We can't call it a men's retreat. We can't call it a men's movement because it's only rich white men coming here. We need diversity. So he, this guy, Michael Mead, created Mosaic, which is a men's retreat for all men, a walk of life. And I went to that retreat by by invitation of Luis Rodriguez because he used mm. to teach that one. That's how I met Luis. Mm. That I went to go meet him. And the story behind that is I was out of the gang working at Homeboy. I had my fiance who was a, a woman from the Bay Area. Gavacha. And we were dating And one time she came to LA, I got all drunk. I never drank wine in my life. I had beer and wine, I mixed it. And guess what? My demons came out Mm -hmm. that I didn't know existed. Because I thought I was done with the gang and all that shit. At the time I was already out of the gang and supposedly well. Mm -hmm. Well long story short is we stood in a hotel, we're dating. And she said that I tried to kill her, that I wanted to kill her. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted to kill is not her. I wanted it. I couldn't value myself that she loved me, that she could love somebody like me. Mm-hmm. So I started acting like my father. Yeah. She told me that she called my family because she couldn't sober me up and get me out of that spell.
0: Yeah.
1: And one of my brothers told her, tell him stop acting like our father i was doing exactly what my father used to do yeah the next morning i wake up she's crying i thought i beat her i thought i did something horrible and she told me she goes you who are you i don't know who you are you were acting like a monster and like you had a demon and you wanted to fight and you wanted to hurt me. And I I told you you're not gonna hurt me because I you love me, and that would get you more mad. And I was like, fuck, I'm fucked up. So at the same time, I finished reading Luisa Odiga's book, which was Hearts and Hands, mm-hmm. beautiful book. Yeah. And he tells a story of his life and ex gang member mm-hmm. actually from El Paso also the mm-hmm. same story yeah. and and she looked at me and she goes I can't be with somebody like you and I looked at her and said listen I'm scared of myself I understand if you don't want to be with me I'm fucked up I told you I'm going to go get help I need therapy I go whether you want to stay with me or not I'm sorry for what I did but I need to go get help I thought I'd go fine. I do need therapy, but I don't want to go get white therapists. And you know, so I looked them up. And at the time it was barely starting the atruchas. The first year barely in the making. So I called them, I talked to them and I told them that I needed to talk to them about some stuff. It was come. So I went to the Valley, never met him in my life. And here's this very Mexican Chicano looking man. I thought that was my my uncle or something, you know. <laughs> I was expecting an author, of which my mind was so biased, like how do you yeah. what's an author like, you know? Yeah. But never met an author in my life. So I sit down with him, I tell him my story. He looks at me and he makes an invisible line in the in the desk where he's sitting across from me. Mm-hmm. And he goes, This is good, this is bad. What do you want? And I looked at him, I'm like, fuck. In my mind, I thought, I came from LA all the way over here for this bullshit? Yeah. And I go, of course, good. He goes, okay. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite you. I want you to come with me to a retreat that I, I'm I'm part of a facilitator and come with me. It's a whole week. There's no phones because there's no reception. Mm. It's big, big as trees, beautiful trees. And come. So I went. 80 men in a cabin, diverse backgrounds, white, black, Mexican, de todo, mm. rich, poor. So part of the facilitator was Michael Mead, who's a mythology storyteller, Jack Cornfield, who's a Buddhist psychologist mm. from the Bay Area, Luis Rodriguez from LA, and this other guy, Orlin Bishop, mm. African American. So when I experienced that whole week, they were doing soul work through poetry. Mm. So like you said, you felt they brought your heart out. And what I felt as I was sitting in the cabin, because it was sit across from us and they would do all these amazing spiritual, psychological mentoring to 80 men for the whole week. And I felt that these men went into my soul and brought it out and showed it to me. And say, here, look at yourself. This is who you are. Mm. And I was sitting across from them. I was like, these men are fucking crazy. <laughs> so long story short is, after that, I, I went back. But I brought homeboys from homeboy industries mm. to there. So it was about 10 homies from the neighborhood going into the wilderness to deal with their wounds. Mm. It was a beautiful disaster of magic yeah. because race came out, gender, everything that needed to come out came out there. Yeah. And these men navigated through the soul. Mm. Um, I, made, I made a lot of good friends from going there. Yeah. And that was through Luisa Rodriguez taking me there. Mm. What I learned there was that That guy, Michael Mead, he's an Irish-American one, And he says, I'm not white. He goes, white has no race. It's not a race. Mm -hmm. He goes, I come from a powerful race, which is uh, Irish, Gaelic people. He goes, those are, that's where I come from. He goes, that's why I'm a good storyteller. He goes, my people have been doing that for generations. He goes, that's why I'm a great storyteller. Mm -hmm. Because it's from my ancestors. Yeah. And it's interesting because I introduced him, Michael Mead, to Father Boyle, and they're both Irish-Americans and they're mm. great storytellers. <laughs> they're using their gift. Yeah. But interestingly enough, the cost was $600 per head. Mm-hmm. Expensive. Yeah. Well, that guy, Michael Mead, used to tell the rich people, you're going to pay for the people that can't afford it because through their story, you're you're learning a lot about your life your sheltered life because they bring something different to this community Mm -hmm. so you're paying for them to come for them to teach you to transform he amazing dude what
0: they weren't able to do at fullerton yes what exactly what he said you're going to learn from them. Yes. They weren't able at Fullerton, and for me, Fullerton is just the microcosm of Western education. Yes. That's, I think, why a big part of why Chicanos, indigenous peoples, people of color, why we don't always make it through. Yeah because they don't want to listen like yeah. what i said earlier learning is is learning to listen yes. you know and when you when you hear someone else's story it might not be your story but those emotions they're your emotions too you know and 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 that's what we mentioned earlier, you know, you, you said, you know, not religion, but spirit. And for me, religion that like we both know, it's, it's man-made it's meant to suppress people, you know, uh, and my, my, my heart has softened over the decades, you know, mm-hmm. to, to understand it's good. I and, mean, you know, religion, churches, they, there, there is a space of community, and I understand that. But you don't need a building to be in one with your spirit. That's the difference between religion and spirituality. You know? Yeah. And the spirit is where humans, the being of the human being, connect. And the spiritual you know everyone when you think of spiritual people usually think of the black folks the back black spiritual and that's part of it but the spiritual is also what you have just told los compas in the lounge right now it's that space and it could uh-huh. be whatever space yeah. you know and it can be with whoever And that's where you're learning and that's when you're growing. That's where you're healing. You know, the, the growing begins or the growing can only begin when the healing begins. Yeah. And like we mentioned earlier, the healing is, is painful, Yeah. but that's how you become stronger, you know, and, um, If you could sit down with your 20-year-old self, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? What
1: would I what I what I do now? When I talk to these young men and I see myself in them, one very important thing that that probably people back then at that age told me but I wasn't ready to listen because I had these layers of pain and hate. I would um tell myself how to become how to start to become conscious of myself aware with awareness you take out the the blindfold of Ignorance, of not knowing, of being blind. And then continually being blind, I, I still work on how to, I become conscious. The only way by becoming conscious is by touching your wounds mm. and accepting them and healing them. So there's something that I love. Rumi says this. The wound is where the light enters. If we don't open our wound, the light is not going to come out. Hmm. So I would tell my 20-year-old self, don't be afraid of your pain. Because if I would have began back then working on myself, it was a process that I was just a lost child, you know. Um, I I believe that whether somebody's listening or not, there's certain mentors. Both female and male that could plant a seed to blossom quick to keep that person alive with that word. So, I use that today, Mm -hmm. or any anywhere that I go to work, I always leave them with two questions, not with the answer. I say. Don't, I tell them, don't answer me this question. Just ask yourself every day of your life when you wake up, what's my purpose? Ask yourself, what's your purpose? And I tell them right there, don't answer it right now. I don't want to know it. I want you to ask yourself every day, what's my purpose? Go look for it. When you find it, you'll know you found it. And when you find it, you won't be in prison, in a physical or mental prison. The second one, I tell them, every time, every morning when you wake up, look at the mirror and tell yourself, I love you. Because somebody who loves themselves will not be in prison. And it's interesting, a smart, allied kid in the juvenile facility says, "But sir, we don't have mirrors. (laughs) I said, okay, make a mental mirror in your mind and tell it to yourself. So the thing is, those two, it's just planting, because for poetry for me is words, open realities, beauty, pain. And just like when a snake, a poisonous snake bites you, the antidote is the poison of the snake. It's the same thing. For me, my real work is I go deep into the people's wounds first. And it's hard, it's bloody, it's poisonous, it's all that pain. But I help them go into it So they could find their gift. Because the gift is inside the the wound. And, And I'll tell you my own wound. I had to go into my own wound. As you remember I told you. I went to go look for Luis. To deal with my wound. And the reason I connected with him. Is because he was a poet. And he spoke my story. So. The connection that I'm doing here is that there's a story that was told by Michael Mead about the word mentor. It's an old story. The way mentor, this is the way he explained it. And I'm sort of don't know the details, but I'm going to give you an idea of the connection of mentorship and the wound and pain. There was once in old ancient Greece, a young man who was talking to his father and the father was trying to mentor him and teach him something about life. And the kid wouldn't listen. He was just rebelling. So the kid gets mad and walks away and just walks down the road all mad. And down the road at a distance, he sees a man doing carpentry. fixing tables, building tables, chairs and stuff. It wasn't Jesus Christ. It was just a carpenter. So he's standing there. Uh, observing that man, and the man turns around and looks at him. And says, you want to help me? And he goes, "Sure." So he's helping him, being as a uh, apprentice. And then the day finishes, and the that that man tells him, "You want to come and help me tomorrow?" And the kid says, "Yes." So he goes back tomorrow the next day, and he's helping him. So the kid starts talking to that man, and telling. The things he couldn't tell his dad. Well, that man ends up his real name was mentor. And the only reason this kid connect, connected with that man is through the art because the kid was attracted to carpentry. So I I, I tell you the story to connect my own story of I went into my own wound and i went to go look for a mentor to help me with that wound not only with the he, not only with the wound but with poetry poetry was the art that attracted me to him mm. so there's a whole saying that the mentee looks for the mentor not the mentor looks for the mentee and there's where the magic mm. happens because the kid Female or male will be inspired to say, I want to learn that. That's the art that connects the child to look for the mentor. And then the wounds get processed, helped by the mentor. Because the mother and the father can't deal with the wounds. Mm-hmm. On contrary, they're the ones that wound the child for the child mm-hmm. to go look for its purpose. For me, my mother wounded me. Mm-hmm. Which she gave me my gift of poetry and philosophy. And I tell you that because as as growing up as a child, we were three older ones and three younger ones. I was in the middle of the three older ones. My oldest one, when we were kids, he he was very desmadroso. So my mother always paid attention to him. Me, I was very quiet. Mm-hmm. So she would put me in corners. To play with my imaginary toys, so I used a lot of imagination in my own loneliness, so she unconsciously abandoned me because you know she didn't know that that young you leave them alone, you, you need the attention. She didn't do it on purpose. So I developed my poetry, my philosophy, and I became voiceless. Because I would always be in my mind and myself, imagining. That's why I love poetry because ima- I imagine a lot of things. Poets Son Lourdes, were dreamers. So she gave me that wound mm-hmm. and that's where I found my gift. I had to go deep into healing my mother abandonment mm-hmm. issues that happened to me. But that was what parents do for the yeah. child to go find its purpose. So now what I do is, yeah. I don't tell the kids or whoever I work with, I just, through conversation, how how were you wounded? And I, I go deep, and in that deepness, you could find out where their gift is. You help them find their gift. But it's painful. Because mm-hmm. I went through a lot of pain of, of mother abandonment, mother issues, you know? Through my life, but until I found my gift. So before, you know, when I was in the gang or in high school or junior high, people thought I was a mute. Now I'm a public speaker. The irony, you know, because mm. my voice came out, yeah. and language and words saved me. Yeah.
0: The thing that holds you down. Yes. Be the thing That raises you You just have to yeah. Learn to look at it in a different way And you know um, As you were saying uh, The word uh, Wound You know was In my mind I was picturing yeah. a wound yeah. It's a wound It's a hole It's a hole And the only way Anything can come out it's through an opening. Otherwise it stays in there and you never know you'll never know that it's that it's there. Or you'll never know exactly what it is. You know there's something there, but no, don't but that wound, yes. that hole, that's an opportunity. And that gift inside you is huge. and the wound even though it seems gigantic it's really small and for the gift to come out yeah as it comes out it's painful because the little hole has to expand your greatness has to go through that little hole and the greater your greatness the greater your gift the more painful it's going to yeah. be. And that's but what when it's finally out there, as it's going out, it starts stitching up that hole because the hole is no longer needed anymore. But, you know, you need to close it up.
1: So, so it's, it's beautiful what you're saying because the word healing means to become whole. And that's why we we as human beings, we want to we're all wounded. We want to heal to become whole, circular. Yeah. And and sometimes the wound is so deep that it, it blinds us and it makes us go into darkness, deep darkness. But sometimes you have to go into that darkness. And it's hard to get out of that darkness and go into the light. Yeah. And some people get stuck that they end up dying, you know. I'll give an yeah. example of Trump. Very wounded man. Wounded. Scarred. Lost. A child, you know, I see a child mm-hmm. that's very wounded. Yeah. And, and he disguises with money and power. And that That's just false, you know? Yeah. Because his wound is so deep that he's he covers, covers it up, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, he's never he's never learned how to wow. how to deal with it yeah and he it allowed happens. he allowed his fear to control him and even though he feels he's manipulating people yeah it's the other way around man yeah yeah but pe- people are manipulating him and they're manipulating his fears of of dying alone and for him being in the spotlight is not being alone even though being in the spotlight is sometimes the loneliest place to be yeah that's true and sometimes if we're lucky we figure that stuff out some of us figure it out when we're young. Sometimes we figure it out when, when they're forties, fifties, sometimes you've, you don't figure it out. Yeah. Sometimes you figure it out at the, during your last breath. Yeah. You know, um, but, um, Compa, I want to thank you, you know, for taking time, you know, and, um, and uh coming into the lounge and having a having a good conversation you know because um, I truly do feel that um our platica right here, you know yeah. I truly believe that the listeners will be able to resonate and um and be able to reflect you know and um uh, if folks want to get in contact with you, uh, uh, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you?
1: Um, through, my, through my email, it's Fabian Montes, all lowercase, at yahoo.com. Or if not, through, through Facebook, they could find me on, on Fabian Montes. I do trainings, workshops, lectures. And, um, I, I, I love what I do because it's human development. As I'm developing myself, I hope I could be a mirror to others so they could develop their own selves through the mirror. You know, so I, 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 I don't believe too much in titles. They don't mean much mm-hmm. to me, but you know, in this society we need it, but that's the work that I do is, which is human development, helping human beings develop into their full potential of who they are. And, you know, I, I do yeah. next week. I'm doing a training to 25 immigration attorneys on On mental health and substance abuse, and it's all gonna be modeled around healing. I call it healing through law so i'm gonna provide tools for them to better serve their clients who are in deportation proceedings, but just to connect and understand who they're working with so that's that's the work mm-hmm. that I like to do is working yeah. with the professionals and helping them giving them tools and then working. With the young men and women that are incarcerated yeah. and in trouble or hurt or addicted, and I wanna, I wanna end it with a quick story that I, that was taught to me by a, another homie who was an ex, a heroin addict. So he told this story. Now I use this story. Yeah. He said, once there was a, a homie stuck in a hole, and. Right next to a sidewalk, and people were passing by, and the homie would look up and say, Help me get out. And on the and on one of those people that passed by was a priest. And he looks down at the homie, and the homie looks up. He says, Help me get out, get out. And the priest just gives him the sign of the cross and keeps on walking. And the homie, like, what the fuck, you know? And then another man passes and it's a doctor. And he tells him, Help me get out. And he writes a prescription and throws it in and keeps on walking. Mm -hmm. And he's like, the dude's like, what the fuck am I going to do with this? I can't get out. So then an ex-homie passes by and looks down and he says, help me get out. The ex-homie jumps into the hole. Mm -hmm. And the homie in the hole says, why would you jump in? Now we're stuck. And he says, no, I've been in here and I know how to get out. And that's what I try to do for
0: people. If you like what you heard, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review. It really means a lot and would really help out this podcast. We invite you to visit us at loscompaslaunch.com to share your ideas and suggest topics for future episodes. Until next time, compas, be proud and be brown.
1: That's right. Be safe. Until next time.